This is a show with no particular niche. Maybe it's always about hanging out. Maybe we'll laugh at some stuff. Maybe we'll learn something new. But it's always about hanging out, me and you. Hi, hello, and welcome to That Thing with James. I'm your host, James, and this is a podcast about usually nothing in particular. However, if you have been following along for at least the past couple months or so, then you know I am in the midst of reading and commenting, uh, reading from aloud and commenting on a travel diary that my maternal grandpa John kept as he ventured beyond the Iron Curtain in late spring, early summer of the year 1978. Quick recap. Uh, well, quick uh, foundation. My grandpa was, well, may he rest in peace, was a World War II veteran. He served in the European theater. He was in France. He went to Germany. He even went to Poland. Uh, and this was at a time, like he was at the big battles and stuff. He was an engineer. Uh, so as I understand it, as I've been told, he would kind of like come in afterwards. But there's a lot of stuff we don't know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. And a lot of stuff that, um, again, as I've been told, he didn't share until I've discovered uh, in the last couple episodes that um, he did share some stuff with his wife, my grandma, Mary. Um, well, the reason my grandpa went uh, beyond the Iron Curtain in 1978 was specifically to go, go to Poland uh, to meet up with um, relatives of him of his because he was a first generation uh, uh, Polish American um, born in 1913. So he was already an old man. He was like at least 30 when he uh, enlisted and went across the Atlantic. Uh, and so the last time, well, I think the last time he was at least in Poland for sure, and probably in Germany as well, was during the war. Um, this was territory that um, the Allied forces were taking back from uh, the Nazis. And th there was a lot going on. Of course, it's the fucking World War II. Um, but now, in terms of the story... Uh, he is there when it's, um, it's not part of the USSR. Poland was not part of the USSR. It was a, um, sort of like a, an, an associate state. They were their own socialist Republic. Um, but he was there during like two different sorts of ideologies, which I personally find quite interesting. Um, and in the last couple episodes, it started becoming clear how much the war, of course, still haunted him. Uh, some dark, very dark details started uh, coming to light within the narrative. Um, so some quick business. Uh, the way I've been doing this is, well, this is a limited series. I'm doing this until 
I run out of uh, a diary to read. I think we're about halfway through right now. Um, and I'm recording one portion on the free episode and then the next portion on the uh, the Patreon episodes. So if you're not already a member of Patreon and if you want to catch uh, the whole story, this whole what I'm dubbing the Grandpa series, uh, you know, Grandpa Goes... Uh, whatever the fuck, I forget what I titled it, the Grandpa series, subscribe to Patreon at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Becoming a member will get you access to the whole story and to a host of other uh, bonus episodes of this podcast and bonus content of the other projects that I've been working on, but haven't been, I haven't been doing the, um, uh, minor tensions by Dick Whistler thing lately. It's just been, life's been extremely busy. This has been one hell of a summer. And I, w- I, if, if I were not paranoid about potentially jinxing myself, if I were not afraid to jinx myself, I would say that the, the troubles, the nonstop crisis that define has defined this summer thus far. Um, if I were not afraid of jinxing myself, I'd say I, it feels like that the nonstop crises have come to an end and that things are settling down again, finally. But I am afraid of jinxing myself, so I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say I'm enjoying my time right now. It's been somewhat peaceful. I've been getting auditions again. I've got some new headshots um, in the last couple episodes, I talked about how I was going to be getting headshots and sure enough, I got them, uh, and, and they look good. They're very good quality. I had a great time with the photographer. Uh, it was a great experience. Professionals, they knew what they were doing. They knew what the business was, uh, and knew what to get out of me so that I could get work. Um, it was good. I felt like I was in uh, trustworthy, good, competent hands, which was very nice. Um, and so the quality, the pictures are very, very good. Um, now, had I known that I was even going to be, you know, start getting auditions again and wind up getting new headshots and everything, I probably would have just gone for, you know, a styling haircut instead of just buzzing my hair right off. A, a literal week before I got into uh, a situation that got this ball rolling again, uh, you know, to use fewer words. But alas, here I am. I, I, I buzzed my hair beforehand. And in the pictures, they turned out good. Um, I know th- the next time I get some new pictures, I hope to have a little bit better wardrobe picked out, um, especially for the commercial shot. The commercial shot, you're smiling and everything because it's for commercials. And then the theatrical shot is for, well, theater, film, television, that sort of stuff. Dramatic, you know, narrative kind of things. Um, Yeah, 
So the next time I get my headshots done, I, I, I hope to have um, some a little bit different wardrobe that I feel uh, communicates my essence a bit better. Um, and I also hope to have kind of scruff like I have right now. If you're a, a viewer, audio listeners, this is on YouTube. There's a whole video so you can see my pretty visage. Um, although video, I don't know if you can see it with the lighting conditions, but I've got this like little bulb patch on the middle bottom of my chin here. Um, I think it's still a two or three weeks out from finally filling back in, but it's just part of this weird occasional temporary facial alopecia that I've started developing like literal two months uh, before the pandemic lockdowns, um, what, two years ago or whatever. Um, and I didn't want that on my pictures. So I went in clean shaven. So the pictures are good. And the next time I get them, um, hopefully conditions are set that I can really better communicate my general vibe. But uh, that's not what this episode's about. This episode is about continuing the story of my grandpa's journey beyond the Iron Curtain. And yet again, if you want access to the whole thing, become a patron at patreon.com slash that thing with James. And if you're already a patron, I am gr I, I am so thankful for your support. And, um, and especially for those of those of you to whom I am related and to my other relatives, if you do want, uh, the whole story, um, and I, I don't want you to feel like you have to donate to the show because this is a family story and, uh, ethically, morally, familiarly, I don't want to force you to have to pay that. If you want to, you can. I super duper appreciate it if you want to, but you don't have to. So if you want the whole story and if you're related to me, just reach out. Just reach out and I can, we can work it out. Um, otherwise, other than that, um, my socials and everything is written in the episode description. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Let me find my place where we left off last time. Um, and then we'll just jump right back into the story. All right, let's get to it. All right, now I don't remember specifically everything that happened in the last, specifically the bonus episode, the last bonus episode, but in the last free episode, I do remember um, my grandpa was meeting up with someone whom I, I'm not entirely sure if it's a relative or someone, I think it might be. And I don't know how he met up with her, but he met up with her in Germany in 1945. That means during, like in the thick of the war. And um, she had severe, um, she was severely burned so much so that um, one of her arms, I think it might have been the left arm from the elbow down had to be amputated. Excuse me a second. <clears throat> oh, allergies. And, um, and there were some other dark details about a, uh, a German woman there and, and people were dying of starvation. It got, it got really heavy. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> mm. So without further ado, let's jump back into the story. The railroad station is over 100 yards long. Mr. Prosk saw me off. 
He remained at the station for he leaves for work by train at 5 a.m. Only another man was in the compartment with me. At the now familiar railroad station in Warsaw, I put my luggage in the baggage room and then left for the Polish airline office. But on the way, I decided to go to the Orbis office to see if any train seats might be available. I got there at 10 a.m. The woman phoned and then told me I would have to wait until 12 noon for an answer. I left and walked to the Palace of Culture, a huge building built by the Russians and donated to the Poles. I intended to take a trip to the top for a view of Warsaw. That building was jammed with tourist groups, which included school children from various parts of Poland. I didn't dare stand in the waiting line for fear I would not get up before noon. Since I had some zlotis, these are not permitted outside of the country, I had to buy something. Mary, for you I bought a necklace because it is light and small for carrying. I uh, still had some zlotis left. Oh, I gave 400 to Mrs. Prosk. I went to the uh, I went shopping with 200 to spend. I couldn't find anything you might like, so I went back to Capelia. Uh, the government store where I bought the necklace and purchased a linen tablecloth. Back at Orbis at noon, I learned that for today, all first and second class seats were sold, but sleeping accommodation was available. I took it. That cost me the equivalent of $31 American total fare for a scheduled 14-hour trip. The train left at 7.30 p.m. Three berths were in the compartment, but only one other young Polish man took one. It seems that this entire car was full of Poles going to Budapest. This man showed me a portable shortwave radio and tape deck player he was taking to sell in Budapest. I went to bed at 8 p.m. May 18, 1978. Thursday. From 12.30 a.m. until 1.45 a.m., I was awakened five different times by Polish border people and twice by Czech people for passport checks. Two different kind of checks here. <laughs> uh, the last Polish guard told me that the Polish money I had would be taken by an Orbis person at the border. I would be given a receipt for conversion to cash in the U.S., the Polish patrol people started checking in Katowice. Uh, before reaching the Czech border, the Czech people checked <laughs> the passport. Check, 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 please, check. I slept through the border crossing without being checked <laughs> by an Orbis person. So now I have some Polish currency, which was uh, which I was not supposed to have. Uh, which was not supposed to have left Poland. Um, when I got home, or when I get home, I'll write to Wash, I'm assuming that means Washington, to see about conversion to US dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. After 8 a.m., when the Polish man got up, he told me that uh, the Polish guards took about 50 people off the train because they were carrying illegal goods. 
Most of these people were Polish, but some were Hungarians and Bulgarians. A man, wife, friends of this big of this man were taken off because each had a shortwave radio in big demand in Budapest. The uh, Polish guard didn't check the bag of this man, but took his word that it contained only personal clothing. Talk about a lucky break. The Hungarian guard woke me up for a passport and visa check. I gave him my passport. Well, he also wanted a visa. I told him that the stamp in the passport book was the visa. For about five minutes, we had a spirited and animated discussion. Oh, they had an argument. And uh, disgust on his part that I was not giving him a visa. Disgust, D-I-S-G-U-S-T on his part that I did not, was not giving him a visa. He took and kept my passport. Oh, shit. But just as he was about to leave, I remembered I had a visa, which I hadn't taken out from another pocket, for I thought it was for Romania. I called him back and showed it to him. Mamma mia, he exclaimed. <laughs> Why is a Czech man exclaiming, Mamma mia? And it, he exclaimed, and let me know that that was the visa. Later, another Hungarian came in for a check, C-H-E-C-K. He asked the Pole about his bags and uh, was given the answer that it contained only clothes. Uh, he went through the bag and brought out the radio. The Pole said that it was his own for his own use. The guard made note on the visa that there was a radio. After he left, I told the pole it was too bad that he now couldn't sell it. Oh, but he would. He would return through Berlin and somehow avoid having to show the paper. Sneaky. Um, he also had a new leather suede jacket of good quality. I asked if that came from Poland. No. That came from Berlin. Well, in the in subsequent questions, I learned that he made the trip to Budapest twice a year. He travels around, buys items for sale in Budapest. He had asked me before uh, I had retired the night before if I would take the radio and claim it as mine. I declined. Wise move, Grandpa. Taking 50 people off the train made the arrival three hours late. We got in at 12.30 p.m. On the train, he said that he would point out the hotel section. At the railroad station, he stopped a woman and asked if she would put me up for the two nights. Of course, me, my paying. I told him I wanted a hotel. I went into a room jammed with people to exchange my check for 366 florins, Hungarian. This was a 20-minute wait. I went to another window, one of 23, to ask about hotel reservations. The place that made only reservations in private that place made only reservations in private homes. That line was long, so off I went to find a hotel. Outside the railroad station, there was a large milling crowd, perhaps a hundred or so. I had to go by to hear, 
I had to go by to hear Polish, little Poland selling a variety of goods to Hungarian, towels, shirts, pantyhose, pencils, radios, small electric calculators, and other things. About 15 minutes away, I went to a hotel. No room available. I asked if he would call other hotels. He told me all were full. I asked if there was a place where private homes had room. Yes. I found a room about 15 minutes from the railroad station. That is a long 15 minutes with two heavy bags, but I did not want to risk a taxi overcharge. Yet again, I don't blame you. He kept getting screwed again and again and again in Warsaw. I rested a while. Then I decided to join the group outside the railroad station. I became a bag carrier like others in this country. I did okay. See back this page. Uh, So let's see the back of this page. But first, let me wet my whistle real quick. All right. So these handwritten parts, some of the words are cut off. So I'll do the best I can. I had three packs of cigarettes, which I sold for $608 each. I sold six pantyhose for about a dollar each. I had, uh, was he really selling? Oh, no, no, no. He was selling cigarettes for a dollar and eight cents each. Uh, I had purchased the pantyhose uh, for 39 cents each. Uh, I was asking about 12 for a pair of boy jeans, not Levi's, but had no sale. Okay, so he's been talking shit about wheeler dealers this whole time. And here he comes in, wheeling and dealing himself. The rich American, wheeling, dealing, selling American commodities. How about that? Hmm. Well, back to the typed part. Before getting on the train, uh, before getting on the train the night before, I purchased two sandwiches. These were my breakfast at 6 a.m., Time here is one hour earlier. About 4 p.m., I was passing a small store which served some food. To get food, I had to first pay a uh, cashier for what I wanted. Then I had to take the receipt to the server and get the food. These people did not speak nor understand English. One young woman was at a table counter standing and eating a... Roble and two hot dogs. I have no idea what a oh a roll a roll and two hot dogs. I went to the cashier and pointed to the girl who understood what I wanted. Um, she told the cashier. I went to where the food was served. In sign language, she asked if I also wanted a drink. I got Pepsi after first going to the cashier for the ticket then to a line for the Pepsi. About 6 p.m., after walking around, I was passing a cafeteria-style restaurant. Here, like its counterpart in Poland, a plate is made up with food, several different dinners. I took what appeared to be the best. It was like a stew, mostly potatoes. I did not finish it, for it was not appetizing. I left shortly to pass a meat market. I stopped in to observe. It was crowded with people. There was plenty of meat. Also, a number of people were standing at counters eating kielbasa and a hunk of rye bread. 
This was cooked and served hot in this store. So to the cashier, I went for a ticket. The kielbasa was good. At another store, I stopped for a Pepsi. Five minutes later, I stopped for another Pepsi. I had been dry. <laughs> oh, before these quote-unquote meals, I had returned to the railroad station to get a ticket for Bucharest, leaving in uh, leaving on the 20th. I walked around and around in a crowded station trying to find where such tickets were sold. Eventually, I found a clerk in a small store who pointed to the location. I went there and was told it was at another. There, I got in line with perhaps 50 people. Let me find my page. Ahead of me, at only one window selling tickets for travel outside the country. After 45 minutes of waiting, I left. Many Poles, strangers to other Poles in the line, were giving money to a Pole asking him to buy tickets for them. I then decided that I would come back early tomorrow morning. But on the way to eating and returning to my room, I decided to ask about the ticket where I got my room. There I was told that a travel agency, uh, Ibuzh, sold tickets to Bucharest and not counters at the railroad station. The location of Aibusht, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these names. Bucharest, I know. Budapest, I also know. Uh, I-B-U-S-Z. I'm gonna just going to say Aibush or Ibush. I like Ibush. I was already saying that. The location of Ibush was at the railroad terminal. So I went back to find that it was the place I had exchanged my $20. A 10-minute wait at one counter got some result. First, there was no first-class seating on either of the two trains leaving on the 20th. I asked for second class. Yes, I could get second class. I was given a slip of paper and told to wait a half hour before going to another counter. I promptly got in that line for it felt like it would be a half hour by the time I reached the clerk. Well, it was only 15 minutes when I reached the clerk. He told me to come back in half an hour, but back I went to the end of the line. When I got to be the third person in the line and my half hour was not up, I told the person behind, behind me to go ahead of me. I kept doing this for a half hour. Then, paperwork. I was told to go to the exchange counter and exchange $6. So, to another line, short this time. Then back to the ticket count. Oh my god, this is dizzying. Then back to the ticket counter. She took me as soon as I came back. Now I finally had the train ticket. It could be an interesting trip going second, second class. It is a scheduled scheduled 11-hour trip. By taking the train from Warsaw to Budapest, I have seen some things that I would not have seen by going by plane. Although the trip by train was longer, it was $31 against $67 by plane. For $4 cash, not check, I will take a three-hour bus tour of Budapest tomorrow. That's a long bus tour. This starts at 10 a.m. This will give me time to revisit, should I wish. 
When I was walking around in the evening, I was coming by a small church. I went in to see that communion was being served. This was at 7.05 p.m. Here, people stand to get communion. Throughout Czech, I saw the red flag with hammer and sickle. In Poland, there was only an occasional solid red flag, no hammer sickle. I have a king-size bed in a large room. The woman is perhaps in mid-70s. Bathroom uh, has sewer gas odor. When I came in shortly after 7 p.m., by sign language, she indicated that there was uh, some hot water problem and asked if I could take my bath in the morning. It is 10.05 p.m. She knocked on the door to tell me that it was okay to take a bath now. So, I will. Now, let's see how long this next entry is before I move on. Yeah, I'll do this one entry, and then we'll close out this episode. May 19th, 1978, Friday, Budapest. I was up early. So, for about an hour, I copied part of this diary for you, Mary. I left at about 7 a.m. to find a policeman to tell me where I could get my visa stamped. I went toward the railroad station where I waited about, oh god, another half hour, but it didn't, uh, uh, but did not see a policeman. I went into the Ibus travel office where I got my ticket for Bucharest and asked one of the clerks. He told me that the stamp thereon put, uh, the stamp thereon put on by the Bucharest tourist office that assigned me a room was it. That was a confusing sentence. So, in the railroad terminal, I had a slice of Polish-style ham rolled around some vegetables uh, with small cubes of gelatin plus Pepsi and roll. Yeah, gelatin was really popular in the 60s and 70s, and not necessarily sweet jello. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up like old like 60s and 70s gelatin recipes. It's vile. It looks vile. Regardless, onward. Next, I took the subway to the bus terminal where I was to get my next or to get my tour bus at 10 a.m. I began walking around the streets when I noticed this huge old church. I went in at 8.05 a.m. to see that mass had started. I attended and received Holy Communion. This was at St. Istvan Basilica. It is an attractive church. I walked a bit more after Mass toward the Danube River from where I took a picture of the palace across in, in Buda, or Buda, the older part of Budapest. I went back uh, to the bus terminal to wait for the tour bus. When it arrived, uh, it took on German and English people. The English were some 10 Americans. The bus drove around with stops at two places only. One stop was high up a hill in the Buda part of Budapest, and the other at the palace. After the two and three quarter hour tour, I walked up and down the streets until 
3 p.m. At the bus terminal, I had a hot kielbasa, roll, and soda. I returned by subway to the railroad terminal exit. I had been looking for postcards but could not find any in the stores. I went to the hotel where I had tried to get a room and got some cards, which I sent to all my women. In Hungary, homes in the countryside are better kept than in Poland. Everything is available, but I don't know if the cost is high. The city has a subway, buses, trolley buses, trolley cars, autos, and people, people, people. From what I have seen on the bus tour, I would like to spend two leisure weeks here in Budapest, or at least one at a slightly faster pace. I would like to spend that time here with you, Mary. Small grocery stores sell cleaned vegetables, unlike Poland. People look like people elsewhere in appearance and clothes. Small stands have loads of peanuts and shells, which are sold. And that's that. And that's it for this episode. If you want to catch the next uh, next installment, go uh, become a patron if you haven't already. Patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, and yet again, socials and other details, links for are written in the episode description. Thank you for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. Bye.